Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Hear now the word of the Lord. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our King who conquered the grave, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It was a difficult morning, to say the least, for the women who got up early on Sunday and made their way to the tomb of Jesus. After all, they had believed in him They had followed him all the way from Galilee, sure that he was the one who would redeem Israel, the one who would save them all, the one who would take all that was wrong in their world and make it right. And as they stumbled their way along to the cemetery, remembering Jesus' words, I am the light of the world, The darkness seemed to mock their faith, laughing at their foolishness. For as everyone knows, darkness always wins in the end. Death comes for us all. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. A day is going to come when the grim reaper blows the whistle on your life and says, you, out of the pool. And the story of your life will be over. To believe otherwise, as Christians happen to believe, that the death is not the end of the story, well, that's just foolishness, isn't it? There is a story that is told about an event that took place during the decades after the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia. One of the most powerful members of the Communist Party was speaking to a huge crowd on the subject of religion. For an hour, he took apart the Christian faith. 
He ridiculed it. He mocked it. He called it the opiate of the masses. He spoke until it seemed as though the whole structure of belief was in ruins. By the end of his speech, the crowd was cowered and beaten. The communist lecturer paused before summing up as his audience listened fearfully. Therefore, he said, there is no God. Jesus Christ never existed. There is no such thing as a Holy Spirit. The church is an oppressive institution, and anyway, it's out of date. The future belongs to the state, and the state is in the hands of the party. He was about to sit down when an old priest near the front stood up. May I say a few words, he asked. The lecturer disdainfully gave him permission. The old priest turned looked out over the people and shouted, Christ is risen. And as one, the crowd surged to their feet and with voices like thunder, they roared back, he is risen indeed. For you can be sure that no matter what is going on in the world, no matter who is currently in power, no matter what the economy is doing, no matter what pandemic has shut everything down, the resurrection has not been canceled. But let's at least be honest. There are many valid criticisms of the Christian faith that make it difficult to believe. The Bible is often very hard to understand and doesn't always agree with itself. Christians have often behaved as badly or worse than any other group of people in the world. Bad things happen to Christians just like everyone else. And then there's this crazy idea about the Son of God becoming a human being, the Messiah of his people, but then being rejected by his own people, killed and buried in a tomb. Why on earth would God let his own son, his only son, be crucified? And then to claim that this was how the world would be saved? It's ludicrous, or as Paul would say, foolishness. Actually, the Greek word Paul uses here is moria, which is where we get the word moron from. You'd have to be a moron to believe this stuff, right? I mean, how can the cross be the means by which God brings salvation to the world? Well, maybe because the cross was not the last word on the story of Jesus. Friday may have been a day of pain and suffering and disappointment, a day when darkness reigned in all of its hideous glory, but it was now Sunday, the same day when God first spoke creation into being, when light and life burst forth where there once was only darkness. I guess we shouldn't really blame the women and the rest of the disciples for not seeing it coming. After all, they had no Easter liturgy to remind them that he is risen indeed. 
And everything in their world shouted that it was foolishness to expect anything other than an occupied and sealed tomb. For as they all knew too well, when death opens its mouth to speak, the conversation is finished. The game is over. For death always gets the last word. Or so they thought. When I was in high school, I used to come home after school and turn on the TV, and every day I would watch The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. It was the highlight of my day. I mean, Bob not only had the most awesome afro ever, but he also had the most peaceful voice that often soothed me to sleep on my couch. But when I managed to stay awake, I was always amazed by what Bob created on that canvas, time after time. But what amazed me most of all was how he was able to recover from what appeared to be a tragic mistake, a fatal misstep that threatened to ruin the whole painting. You see, Bob would be painting his way along, chattering gently as he did, creating the most beautiful landscape. I could just begin to see in my mind what the final vision was going to look like, and it was spectacular. But then suddenly, Bob would say those most dreaded of all words. Let's have some fun. And then he would do the unthinkable. He would take all the dark paints and mix them together with his painting knife. Then he would take a brush and draw a big dark line right down the middle of the painting, splintering it in two, shattering the wonderful image I had in my mind of what this painting was supposed to look like. And then he had the nerve to say he was just putting in a happy little tree. And all I could think was, Bob, you're a moron. What are you doing? You're ruining the painting. This is foolishness. I suspect that this isn't so different from what Jesus' followers were thinking when he was crucified. Except that the painter wasn't Bob Ross, but Almighty God. For in the life of Jesus, God had begun painting the most incredible masterpiece called the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of peace and mercy and justice and love, and it was more spectacular than any of them had ever imagined possible. It drew them all in. It inspired their imaginations. It gave them courage and filled them with hope. But then suddenly, just when they thought that this vision was about to be realized, a big dark line in the form of a hideous cross was drawn right down the middle of that painting. And all they could think was, it's over now. The painting is ruined. Turn off the TV for all hope is lost. 
Has anyone else ever felt that way? Maybe the painting of your life was coming along quite nicely. Perhaps with a happy little house where you grew a family. Perhaps with some towering mountains or a a glistening ocean where you love to spend your vacations. Perhaps with the bright sun shining down as if in homage to all your hard work and success. Perhaps with some birds soaring up into the clouds which protected the great dreams you had for your life. But then one day, a big dark line appeared right in the middle of the painting. Maybe it was something you did. Sometimes we create our own dark lines through our mistakes and bad decisions. Or maybe it was through no fault of your own. I mean, sometimes other people draw ugly lines on the canvas of our lives. And sometimes life just happens and accidents occur. Maybe, maybe you lost your job, or you were giving a sobering diagnosis, or you didn't get into graduate school, or someone hurt you so badly and you've never gotten over it. Maybe your child got into trouble, or your spouse walked out on you, or your loved one was suddenly taken from you, or maybe... The coronavirus struck and all your wonderful plans were canceled. Whatever it was, it seemed as if the story of your life had received a fatal blow from which it would never recover. And all you could think was, God, what are you doing? The painting is ruined. This is when the hope of the gospel, which we proclaim on Easter morning, seems most like foolishness to us. For it is in moments like these that the darkness whispers most persuasively, I always win in the end. But it is precisely in these moments in life that I have found the painting of Bob Ross to be so helpful. For you see, after Bob's apparently tragic mistake, if I managed to recover from my apoplexy and notice that the show wasn't quite over yet, and if I stuck with Bob through to the end, I got to witness something amazing happen. I watched what appeared to be a death blow to the painting, that big dark line right down the middle of the canvas that Bob seemed to throw on so casually, get transformed into a beautiful tree around which the entire painting had taken shape, becoming something completely different, yet even more beautiful than I had envisioned before. For Bob's foolishness was wiser than my wisdom. When difficult things happen to us, we often think that the story of our life is over. That there is no point in sticking with God to the end of the show. This is especially true when something or someone we care about dies. 
But if we will put our trust in Jesus and remain faithful to him, we will discover that we have a savior who can take anything, even tragedy, even canceled plans, even death, and bring new life out of it. But if we give up too soon like Judas did, we will never experience the great hope of Easter because the dark line of the cross was not the end of Jesus' story. And the disciples who stuck around long enough to discover the empty tomb on Sunday morning got to receive the greatest news they could have ever imagined. In the days prior to electronic communication or 24-hour news reporting, news of great occasions had to be passed on primarily by word of mouth. In 19th century England, the people were anxiously awaiting news of the outcome of the strategic battle of Waterloo, where the British forces under General Wellington faced off against the French forces under Napoleon. A signalman was placed on top of Winchester Cathedral with instructions to keep an outlook on the sea. When he received a message, he was to pass it on to another man on a hill. That man was to pass it on to another and on and on. And in that way, the news of the outcome of the battle was to be relayed finally to London and then all across Britain. Well, at long last, a ship was sighted through the fog, which on that day lay thick on the channel. The signalman on board the ship sent the first word, Wellington. A few moments later, the next word came through, defeated. But then the fog closed in and the ship could no longer be seen. Wellington defeated. The tragic message was sent across England and a great gloom descended over the countryside. A few hours later, however, the fog began to lift and the signal came again. Wellington defeated the enemy. Now the full message went racing across the country again, but this time the nation rejoiced. When Jesus died on that cross, it seemed to all of his followers that the story was over, the dream was dead, as the darkness proclaimed through the fog of their grief, Jesus defeated. But on that Easter morning, the fog was lifted. And they realized that the show was not over yet. And the message they had heard on Friday was incomplete. And now they discovered the whole truth, the greatest truth in all of history, that Jesus defeated the enemy. For against all hope and expectation, despite the big dark line of the cross that seemed to put an end to the painting of salvation, he is risen indeed. And therefore, 
That cross has now become the very source of our hope. As Paul writes, the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and because he lives, we know that we shall live also. For he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Because that dark line of the cross has been transformed into a beautiful tree of new life where our sins have been washed away and death's power over our lives has been defeated. And therefore, there is now no circumstance in our lives in which God cannot work to bring healing and new life For as Paul reminds us, in all things, God works for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And if God can take even the dark line of the cross and use it to bring salvation to the world, then God can use even your disappointments and your heartbreaks and your losses and your cancellations to bring hope and possibility out of your darkness and despair because the painting of your life isn't finished yet. The divine painter is still at work transforming even the darkest of circumstances and the biggest of mistakes into miracles of beauty and grace if we will put our trust in him. Part of our problem is that we have a hard time letting God be God. So often God doesn't do things the way we think he should. He doesn't often follow our advice and handle situations according to our wisdom. But as Blackaby writes, Much of the frustration we experience as Christians has nothing to do with what God does or doesn't do. It has everything to do, rather, with the false assumptions we make about how we think God will and should act. And according to our wisdom, we think that God should prevent all death-like experiences in our lives. But we have a God whose ways are not our ways and whose thoughts are not our thoughts. A God whose foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and whose weakness is stronger than human strength. A God whose preference is to plant a cross and reap resurrection. And through the risen Savior, God is still at work on the painting of your life, bringing light and hope where there only appears to be darkness and death. And therefore, cancer and divorce are not the last word on your life. Alzheimer's, and addiction 
are not the last word on your life. Fear and failure are not the last word on your life. Even death itself is not the last word on your life. For as the Apostle Paul writes, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is thy victory? Where, O death, is thy sting? Because Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and therefore he alone has the last word of the story, just as he had the first. And he is calling you to put your trust in him and his foolish way of being the Savior so that you can experience the power of his resurrection, both now and for all eternity. And he is inviting you to pick up your paintbrush and join him in his mission to bring beauty and hope into this world by helping him transform the dark lines on the canvas of other people's lives into, well, you know, a happy little tree that like the cross was once a symbol of darkness and defeat but now roars back. He is risen indeed. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.